We now return to the Transformers. Hello and welcome to Hello Government Podcast. I'm your host, Abdullah, and with me today is... Lindsay Rousseau. Yeah, and you might know, you might have heard Lindsay on Transformers War for Cybertron Siege, which dropped on Netflix about a month ago, June 3rd, July 30th, so... You know, it's okay. To talk I dropped on Netflix on Thursday, last yeah. Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's uh, probably okay to talk about spoilers now, I would imagine, right? I mean, I think by this point, everyone's probably seen it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so if you haven't... Yes, well, episode, or season one, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's only six episodes, and each episode's like, what, 22 minutes long or so? I mean, it's not that long, it's, it's like a... Yeah, I mean, you can get through it. In like yeah, a yeah. Like get, get it's essentially it. a, yeah, it's essentially a feature film that they just broke up into little parts. Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? Like, it feels like, uh, like at some point, it, yeah. it feels like this was made to be like a movie or something, but then they just like, you know, cut it down to six episodes and just said, okay, we'll release it on Netflix and, you know, in typical Hasbro fashion. Uh, they released it like after the toy line is off, is off shelves and was replaced by its sister toy line. So great job there. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you're just like watching the show now and thinking to yourself, "Hey, I want a toy of so and so," well, good luck finding them because they're. Well, you can pre-order. You can pre-order Alita One from uh, I believe from Walmart, and uh, that's coming out in October. And no, it's 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 especially frustrating when you you know you watch the show and you find out who which character has like the specific roles, and then you find out like you know episode five. Okay, like big spoiler here, you know the episode five surprise character is Sound Blaster, who is basically just a repaint of Soundwave, who did have a toy, but it was like an exclusive thirty five thirty five uh, anniversary thing. That's now just impossible to find. So if you want a sound blaster, good <laughs> luck. Yeah, well, I'm sure I'm sure they're gonna have new releases of of some of the different toys, and you know, as because you know this is a trilogy, so I'm sure there's much more in store that Hasbro has for us. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, they they announced like Earthrise and Kingdom, which is like you know the, the second or two, the second and third chapters. I mean, and speaking of just like of this whole project, like how did you get involved in it? I'm wondering. Uh, like anybody else does in the entertainment industry, you audition and you have callbacks, and then you're if you're lucky, you get cast. And I was lucky in this instance. Yeah. And did they tell you what it was, or was it like shrouded in secrecy? Uh, for the auditions, no. The original auditions, everything was code named, and you know all the names were changed. Uh, but when I did go in for the callback audition, uh, th- that's when they told me what it was for, and so I was uh, <laughs> I was very very excited at that point. Um, you know, and so obviously when I found out I was cast, I was I was absolutely thrilled because um. I just I think this is a great franchise and I loved what they did with the scripts for this. I loved what they did with the characters. Um so I was really excited to be a part of this. Um and did you you know were you familiar with the character of Lita One or did they just tell you what what her backstory was and or did you just like discover it like as you as you went along? 
I mean, yeah, I was aware of, of who of who she was, of course. I mean, she she's definitely been one of the more underrepresented characters uh, over the years. But you know, if you if you go to the comic books, uh, she has a very rich backstory. Um, and so, of course, I did some research. But you know, also War for Cybertron is is kind of you know putting their own imprint on the universe. And so, I wanted to allow myself to 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 honor her backstory and be true to what has been created for her, but then also allowing myself the opportunity to, to put my own spin on her and, and also uh, really embody the, the amazing uh, scripts that were, that were used for this, that were, uh, you know, written for this show. And and there must've been like really long scripts. Cause like, you know, you watch this show and they, they did not skip out on any of the details. Cause they just went in like full swing i think one of my biggest i mean if you're someone who's not familiar with transformers you're gonna probably be confused at some of the stuff they're talking about because some of the stuff you know that's mentioned and referenced is like stuff only like really hardcore fans know and it's just kind of yeah i think they did a good they did a good balance of yeah i I think they did a good balance of of giving the the diehard fans something that they could get excited about but also making access making it accessible to um new audiences who aren't necessarily familiar with the transformers universe well i mean yeah yeah i mean this is basically like i think someone put it best when they said like every Transformers series is eventually someone's first and if you like watch, right and if you watch that particular version that you grew up with or whatever that that's what you're gonna know like if you're like okay optimus prime yeah and I mean, yeah i mean optimus is good the good guy megatron's the bad guy so and so's this and so and so's that and and they all have their own particular rules but I, I love how this takes like the i mean it's basically based on the g1 cartoon but it puts its own spin on things right exactly I mean, shockingly enough, I think one of my favorite arcs in this entire thing is Jetfire's arc. I thought that was really well done, and I like the the whole uh, dynamic between him and Starscream, and I love this in- incarnation of Starscream, and that he's actually mm-hmm. he's actually loyal, and we actually do get to see him rise up the ranks, which is something we have never seen before. Like usually, when it starts. When each new continuity starts, he's already like the second in command and the head of the Seekers. But here, he's like, you know, he's the he's you know just basically another grunt in the in the in the um in, in just na- another nameless grunt. And then you know later on as the series progresses and st- and Jetfire eventually joins the Autobots, then does he become the Starscream we we're familiar with? And I, and I right. Know, and I really like that because it's like, hey, you know, you're doing something new with this character instead of just, hey, I want to betray Megatron. <laughs> yeah, no, they and they, I think they did that with quite a few of the characters. I mean, obviously, this is an iteration of Bumblebee that, you know, is, is very different than what a lot of people will be familiar with. Um, and, you know, um, you know, the, the, the idea that, you know, Megatron wasn't always necessarily you know, the megalomania, the megalomaniac he's perceived as, you know, when they make references to like, oh, you used to be my brother and things like that. I, I think it, it does give us a good insight into it's not, I don't I wouldn't say it's like a pure origin story for these characters because it does take place, you know, kind of right in the middle of events. But I think it is, you know, uh, a very good uh, 
glimpse into the events that led these characters to become, you know, who most people I think are familiar, the iterations that most people are familiar uh, of them, familiar with them. Yeah, I mean, because Bumblebee, when it starts out, he's not a Decepticon, he's not a, an Autobot, he's just like a, you know, someone who just gets the Energon for people. He's like, hey. If yeah, you, if exactly. You want, if you want to get Energon, I'm your guy. And I'm like, okay, I right. really like that. You know, let him slowly develop into getting into the war. I like the idea of having, you know, characters who aren't necessarily Autobots or Decepticons, because I really hate, like, one of the things that frustrates me about this franchise is that you can only either be two. You can only be an Autobot or, or a Decepticon. And I'm like, why can't, you know, aren't there anybody who, isn't there anybody who just doesn't care? Who's just like, oh, whatever, man. I, yeah. You do you. Right, exactly. And that's, and that's you know, kind of the reality with, with a lot of times in war in general is that people don't have a side. They don't want to pick a side. They, you know, so I, I think that was, a really good way to look at things and i liked ratchet's arc in that you know he's you know basically an autobot but he's just become so disgusted with what the war has become that he's just basically saying okay i'm i'm done with this but i'm not done helping so he sets up a clinic helping out autobots and decepticons and i really like that i'm like hey that's really cool because it's it's basically showing that you know, not everybody, not everybody just automatically, I mean, it's because, it's, again, it's basically just a whole, you know, the race allegory and the whole prejudice allegory is, you know, brought to the forefront in this. And, and, and here it, it just shines through. And I just love that he calls Optimus Prime out on his crap where he's like, you know, you're, you're not the perfect leader that everyone thinks you are. You're just as you're just as in the wrong as Megatron is. And I really like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, it, 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 it's, I think the important thing to consider is that, you know, war isn't always as black and white as people like to try and make it out to be sometimes. Like usually there is a lot of nuance and, um, you know, most from an actor's standpoint, you know, when you get a character and say it's like an evil character, you know, the first thing that you're, you you are taught in any sort of acting school is that well nobody ever thinks they're evil they're not being evil for the sake of being evil like there are motivations and reasons behind why people do the things that they do and you know i i think it's much more interesting to be able to take a deep dive into understanding you know kind of what some of those reasons are as opposed to just being like oh he's the bad guy yeah, because, and it's especially jarring for a franchise that's basically just, you know, good guys and bad guys. I mean, this franchise is, I mean, I'm not saying, like, they've never done, like, complex versions of, of these characters before, but, like, they've never really, you know, delved deep into what, why the war was happening and what would realistically happen in in a... In a, in a combat scenario between two factions that have been warring for eons and eons. Like, there are going to be, you know, conflicts, inner conflicts between these characters, and I like that. You know, you're not just giving us, like, two, two uh, robots shooting at each other for 22 minutes and then, like, you know, Autobots win at the end of the day, you know? Exactly, exactly. 
I mean, it's not just, hey, okay, what's Megatron's scheme of the week? Because that's how the the G1 cartoon was like. It's just, you know, the, the, Decepticons, the Decepticons have a plan to get more Energon. The Autobots have to come in and stop them. They eventually end up stopping them, and then that's it. Like, everything goes back to normal in the next week. I mean, and so on and so on. And, you know, new new characters eventually get introduced, and new characters eventually get ignored. But I like that here that they were selective of who they wanted to be in, in, in the main cast because we don't get to see, like, all the Autobots that we're familiar with, and I like that because I would rather just have, like, a small group of recognizable Autobots than just, like, trying to cram in every single recognizable character that, that everyone's going to recognize in, in the span of right. 20, exactly. 20 or so minutes. I just... I was, and I was worried about that. I'm like, oh, man, please don't try to cram in it as much as much of these characters as you can in these in these episodes because it's going to get really dumb if you do that. <laughs> right, and it's a lot for people to keep track of. Like, I, I totally agree. It's, it's you know, if, if this was something that was going to go on for, you know, more than more than six episodes or, you know, a trilogy, then then you have the time to, to delve into some of those other stories. Uh, but, um, yeah, when you have something that is kind of shorter, it, it makes a lot more sense to just really dig richly into a fewer number of stories. And, and at the end of the day, like, it's, you know, Optimus and Megatron, and I like what they did with these characters in this incarnation in that, you know, Megatron isn't always just like a maniacal maniac. I mean, eventually we see that he becomes that when, you know, he's given the option of of crossing that line where he's like, okay, you know, the only way to win this war is to just basically commit genocide. And he's like, yep, okay, cool. You know, it's like... Right, exactly, exactly. And, I mean, and you see, like, at the beginning, like, I like the fact that, you know, when we first see Megatron, he's just basically saying, you know, I don't care what you want, but I'm willing to do what whatever I can to stop this war. And I don't care if, if like, I end up alienating half a Cybertron, I will end this war. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's that's interesting. You know, and same thing with, with Optimus Prime. We see Optimus Prime, you know, basically trying his best to keep morale intact when morale is just at its all-time low. And the Autobots are just close to losing at this point. And I'm kind of like, right. oh, that's interesting because... You know, we see, you know, his introduction is like, okay, you know, he comes in, saves Wheeljack and, you know, beats up Megatron. But then when he goes back to the base, it's like, oh, oh, <laughs> they're on the losing end. Right, exactly. And I like that because, like, in previous incarnations, like, you know, you would just have Optimus Prime come in, beat everyone up, say some, you know, spiel about freedom is the right of all sentient beings and then just like okay cool you know we're off then <laughs> right right yeah and and i like that 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 they're showing a side to him that isn't just the heroic you know leader that we all know and love they they're actually going into okay what would what would happen if someone like was put into a position of war and and had to and had to lead everyone you know, and everyone looked up to them as this like well, I think, person. Yeah, who, and I think who... that was the importance of having Alita One in the show is showing that Optimus isn't this, you know, 
omnis omniscient, you know, all all powerful, all knowing being, you know, he makes mistakes. He he rushes into things without a plan. And I think um, you know, Alita is is a good counterpart to to that to show the audience to show the people that optimus is still on a journey of becoming the leader that he will eventually become but he makes mistakes and i I think especially in alita's case like she questions him and she calls him out on some of those and uh were it not for her he wouldn't have made it through the first 10 minutes of episode one (laughs) yeah i mean and i like that because it's like you know if you're going to have someone call out Optimus, it, you know, it has to be someone who has history with him. And it's like, yeah, of course it has to be Alita One because, you know, she she has the she has the history with him. She's mm-hmm. higher up in, in command, you know, and it, and it makes sense because, you know, we can tell like this version of Alita has been on, you know, has been fighting in the war for quite some time. And exactly. And is, is more hardened than previous incarnations of the character. And is just like really frustrated because it's like, you know, if you're not gonna, you know, if you're not gonna, you know, come up with a plan that's gonna help us, we're pretty much doomed at this point because we're, you know, Megatron's got us on the ropes, and you know, we kind of need a miracle right now. Right. Exactly. Um, and it's and it's just really interesting because you know normally like you know with a franchise like. It's it's not really strong when it comes to a lot of like female centric characters. Like the most is like okay, you know, here's RC. That's your entire female representation for right for, for the for the entire series. But here it's like, no, we got like Alita One, and she plays a big role. She's actually part of the main cast. You know, she isn't just okay. She's the token female. She's a character with her own arc. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And she's not just, you know, the love interest. She is she is a commander. She is a leader and she is her own person or her own transformer, you know, and has her own story. And and it's it's really I mean, again, I really like what they did here, like where they just took characters that we're familiar with, but, you know, flesh them out like characters that I think needed fleshing out because I always liked the leader one. I mean, and I always just, it kind of bugged me that, like, as the franchise went on, like, the only female Autobot we got in most incarnations was R.C. And I'm like, right. like wait a minute, R.C. came later. You know, at least right. one came first. But exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, because, I mean, she, you know, Alita One was introduced in the episode, you know, Search for Alpha Trion. And she made, you know, subsequent appearances in, in the original G1 cartoon, but then ever but everyone keeps forgetting that. Like everyone just assumes <laughs> Right. But everyone just assumes like RC's the first female Transformer because she was featured in in the um nineteen eighty six animated movie. And that's what most people are familiar with, and then they, they, they that's what they assume is like the first female Transformer in, in a in a Transformer series. And I'm like, no, I mean the leader one was was way was came before guys come on right <laughs> exactly and now we get to see her so yeah and i like that i really do it's like hey you know a g1 series you know with alita one that's pretty cool and i and i like what and i just really like alita like i think you know she's a very underrepresented character and i'm kind of glad that finally someone has the finally realized like hey you know 
if we're gonna do this whole if we're gonna push for more inclusive inclusivity in our product you know why not just use established characters that people already know don't try to to cram in like new characters or or, or just use RC as a crutch for the billionth time just you know use other characters man you have like a, a, a wide universe of endless and I mean endless amounts of characters and they just like sometimes just sit on the shelf <laughs> ironically enough right right yeah and and I'm just I'm just wondering like you know when 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 it came to your approach with Alita did you go back and listen to 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 um to the G1 incarnation or did you I just... did not no I didn't want to because this was a new show this was a new series this was a new take on her um, and I, I didn't want to be influenced by past performances. And I feel like because Alita hasn't had, you know, she, she doesn't have the baggage attached to her that, you know, Megatron and, and Optimus do. And I don't mean baggage in a negative, you know, standpoint. I mean that there are iconic voices associated with those characters, rightly so. Um, but I felt like I did kind of have the, the freedom to be able to make her my own because, she has been portrayed by some amazing actresses in the past, but I feel like she didn't have, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was going to necessarily be compared to those past performances like, you know, perhaps Megatron and, and Optimus would. Uh, so I really did. I wanted to be true to her character and her story and her essence, uh, but I really wanted to make her my own. Man, that's pretty cool. Like, because yeah, most people, when they when they come into Transformers, then they voice a voice an existing character. There is that pressure of, oh God, I'm gonna be compared to so and so because this fandom is right. Like, really... and they weren't. Yeah, they weren't asking for voice matches or anything like that for her, at least. So, um, I feel like that that did give me a little bit of more freedom. Um, you know, but it, I, you know, that being said, the the guys who stepped into the roles of Optimus and 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 Megatron just they nailed it. So that was a, I'm sure they had a, a big weight on their shoulders, you know, making sure they did justice to those characters and and uh, they really did. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because there was this whole controversy of all oh, the voices I we know that you know that are associated with these characters aren't coming back oh no I'm not watching this and I'm like well, well that's the nature of the industry you can't always expect someone to be playing the same character for 30 30 years I mean actors move on they 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 grow they mature and um the the way their voice sounded 30 years ago 20 years ago isn't going to be the way their voice sounds now and um you know and sometimes you do want to give a new generation a chance to 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 step into the shoes of 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 those characters you know it's done all the time shows are rebooted and you know recast and so uh i i think i think you know they they did an amazing job with with what they did here and um and people are always going to make comparisons that's just that's just how fandom works that's how everything works uh you can't please everybody but um i i think that you know knowing that they they did have big shoes to fill i, I think that they just did an excellent job and you know a, 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 so much of this credit with this voice cast goes to our voice director phil bach who just he really understood the nuances 
and the depth that was in the script and just really knew how to push us um, to get more out of us, even when we'd given, you know, what was we considered our best take. And he would even say, you know, like, that's that's the best. I can keep that. I can keep that take. But I think you can do better. And he was usually right. So, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's a it's a more serious incarnation of Transformers and you can't go in there playing it like they did in G1 where it's, you know, kind of. It's it's very Saturday morning cartoonish in in a way like because because they everyone has like that Saturday morning cartoon cartoon way of talking but here it's right like... and this is not Saturday morning cartoons this is darker this is grittier there's not much humor in this so it we really had to be the performances really had to be grounded and realistic and and I mean. It is an animated series, but I, there is nothing cartoony about it. I mean, change those robots to humans and you've got, you know, a modern war story. Um, so that that was really important to him, to Phil, and to all of us as performers was to be as authentic as possible in, in our in what we brought to the table in our in our performances and our portrayals. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like even if you you know, okay, let's take away the fact that this is that that this is a franchise based about around fighting robots. At the end of the day, it's still a war story. You're going in yeah. playing, you're going in playing hardened soldiers, for God's sakes. Come on. Exactly. Know? And it's and it's you know, there's there's pain, there's loss, there's there's a there's a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, I would come out of sessions and just be exhausted from crying, from screaming, you know. It really it really took its toll on us. Or at least on me. Well, yeah, because most of Alita One's dialogue it sounds like she's frustrated enough to Miss Bryant for most. Of right, the exactly, exactly. It's like, yeah, I don't believe you're actually frustrated. Can we do that again? <laughs> right, totally. No, but I mean, it, it does. It's it's more serious, and 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 I knew that, that this was going to be a polarizing thing because it's basically saying okay, we want to do a Transformers series, but we're going to aim it a little bit older. I mean, not too old, but like, you know, we're going to just basically do the whole worst hell theme, but we're going to play it straight. Like, right, there, exactly. There, there is no humor in this. There is no, like, goofy stuff. It's it's war, man. And, and it's, and it's, it's hard. It's, it, I mean, it's kind of hard to, I mean, at first to get used to it because I've, you know, watched these characters basically, you know, for most of my adult life and, 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 and you know, watching them, you know, be, I don't want to use the word deconstruction because they're not really just deconstructing these characters. They're basically just, you know, fleshing them out in a more grounded fashion. It was kind of right. interesting. It was really interesting because you know Hasbro is known to be like very protective of their IP like they have an idea of of what Optimus Prime is what Megatron is and 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 you know you have to play by their rules but I'm kind of glad that they um you know gave gave the showrunners and writers you know well, yeah, FJ DeSanto had a vision for this show, and uh, they they really uh, let him run with it. And I'm I'm so happy with with how it turned out. And I think you know, 
I think Hasbro knew that it was in safe hands with him and uh, that he would he would do the franchise justice. And he absolutely did. Yeah, I mean, it's and 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 it's great because you know he knows his stuff. Like he, you know, went combed through every single piece of Transformers media he could find, and he's like, "I'm gonna make this work." Exactly, exactly. And and he did, you know, because it's only eight. It's only like six episodes, but so much Transformers lore is cra- is is crammed into those six episodes that it's just downright amazing. Really, the fact that they managed to bring in all these like iconic things that you know hardcore fans would be familiar with and, and put them into not only put them into like six episodes but make them work as well that's insane yeah exactly i i, I absolutely agree yeah i mean you have like you know and, and i like that again like you know a lot of what I like about this show in, in particular is, like, it's not just focused on Optimus and, and Megatron. We get, like, Alita 1's arc. We get Jetfire's arc. We get Starscream's arc. You know, we get scenes where characters other than Optimus and, and, and Megatron are given the chance to shine. And it's interesting because it's like, hey, we're doing something with these characters that hasn't been done before. We're fleshing them out. We're giving them actual personalities. <laughs> Right. Yes. Exactly. And and I and I just really like that. And and um, I think you guys did a great job with it. And and bear in mind, like it's it's kind of hard to really judge this show because you got to remember, like, okay, this is part one of a trilogy, so we're just like just getting started. So I don't know what the next two parts are going to be like. Yes. Exactly. And, and how they're going to keep continuing on the theme of of war is hell or if they're going to go with a completely different direction i don't know and it's hard to really judge you know judge it i yeah judge it now because it's like you know you're i mean that's a that's the thing with most shows nowadays is like you know it's it's hard to really judge them on 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 like they're on like just a single just a single episode because it's like they're they're writing them for for like major story arcs and and they're writing these shows and to be binged binge watched so it's hard to really just look at the show right. and just say okay i don't like this after like one episode because if you're just gonna give up yeah after, give up give yeah up and like one episode then you're kind of missing out right and they're and they're so short like you know once you once you get once you get to episode three or four you know the action it really starts hitting hard so yeah, yeah, I think, you know, and, and I think, yeah, like, that's one of my, you know, main criticisms is, like, you know, the first two episodes, like, this is the introductory episode, but if, you know, once you power through that, you know, you're gonna get, you're gonna get to the good stuff, so just, like, you know, power through it, man, you know, I know it's like you're gonna... Yeah, get, I know. mean, it's only 20-minute episodes. Yeah, I know, I'm just, I'm, and, and that's what's amazing is, like, you know, they managed to cram all this stuff into 22-minute episodes and and have it flow like pretty pretty um pretty well for 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 something like this because usually like when you're restricted to 22 minutes you have to like rush things but i felt they did a really good job with with the time they were given so you know kudos to that yeah so i mean um like it's you know 
I mean, going into this, you know, franchise, did you did you know that you know you were gonna be, you know, you, you were gonna, you know, put your put your own spin on on Alita one, and and that you know, from years from now, people are gonna. Well, I mean, that's what every actor does. Every actor. Well, every actor brings themselves to their role. I mean, you, you even if you are portraying an iconic character or a character that's been done before, uh, you're still bringing yourself to that role. And, you know, that's where it's, it's definitely a partnership between you and the director is, um, you know, I absolutely had a lot of life experience to bring to Alita One. You know, I am an Army Iraq War combat veteran. I have lived through war. So I absolutely put a lot of myself into this character, um, which is, you know, and every actor brings something unique because you're never going to be able to replicate what someone else does because no two people have the same life experiences. And so because of that, no two characters are ever going to be the same, even if they have the same voice match or voice print. Um, there's always going to be something a little, a little different that, you know, I think is what makes acting exciting is, is being able to see how you can have the same character, um, be portrayed by different actors just as uh you know without one being necessarily better than the other just different just slightly different nuanced takes on it and that's something that i i think is is really exciting to see because if you are just trying to make someone a cookie cutter uh copy of another person then that's not really going to ring true and i think that that would come through in the performance and i i definitely don't think phil did that i mean uh you know, we had actors obviously portraying iconic characters and they really understood that they had to be true to those characters. But again, this is where the tone of the show and the time period in which it takes place allowed, I think, for a lot of more freedom because the character can't be the same just because of the type of show that this is and the universe that it takes place. It doesn't take place in the bright, cheery Saturday morning cartoon you know, environment that the previous iterations kind of fell under. So that alone is going to, is going to make things different. And plus like, you know, they, people want actors. They don't want mimics, you know, they don't want people to come in and just do an impression. They just want exactly someone to just act. <laughs> don't, don't come in and, and just do an impression of, of Optimus or Megatron, you know, put your own spin on it. Don't don't just like don't just do Chris Lada's Starscream. Put your own spin on the character. You know you you know yes we're we're familiar with the fact that Starscream has a like a high nasally screechy voice, but you know Lada's Starscream was way more over the top than than other incarnations, and you don't have to do that. You know you can do your especially. Own... Yeah, especially in this show, you can't do over the top. Like, obviously, Starscream is still, you can't even say he's the comic relief because, you know, again, his performance is very grounded. Um, and so that, that again, the, the tone of this show, I think, really radically transformed these performances, um, even if they do have a similar voice print to previous iterations. Yeah, yeah, I mean you're going to have like similar, you know, similar, what do they call it? Like, um, 
not an impression. It's uh, sound alike is what is what it is. Like it's you know they sound alike, but it's not the same. Yes, exactly. And then so you know, you know, you get like characters like Wheeljack who sound alike. You know, you know, regular G one Wheeljack, but he doesn't act the same. He's more frustrated. He's more you know. He's more angry. He's more frustrated. He's more, you know, just tired of the war in general. Whereas, you know, regular Wheeljack was just a scientist who just came up with like crazy inventions every week whenever when that when asked, and then he was just like, yeah, you know, you want this? Okay, I'll build you this. Fine, whatever. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, and and I like that because again, like you're taking these characters and you're grounding them and and you're making, you know, you're doing something new with them. You're not giving us the same the same stuff again, because I'm kind of like, okay, if you're gonna tell the story of the last days of Cybertron, put your own spin on it, please, for the love of God, do not just do what previous incarnations did. Don't just do a retelling, please don't. I I, I really hate when when media just like takes existing stories and just you know just says we're not gonna put in any any our any new take on it it's just there because we want to modernize it because people today have low attention spans and they can't you know relate to anything that isn't modern <laughs> right yep and, and and again i like that because you know we're 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 taking this franchise in a new direction we're finally we're at that point where i think hasbro realize realizes okay you know ha, you know transformers is no longer a kid's property we can you know, go go. Uh, you know that go. You know, skewer a little bit older with 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 our shows, and I'm like, yeah, we kind of need that at this point because, you know, we've had this discussion many times within within the fandom in that we wanna we you know for years people have been 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 uh, been been wanting a more. You know, a Transformer series that that skewered a little bit older because they're just tired of the same old, same old. We're tired yeah, exactly. Of, we're tired of this franchise being being seen as only for kids, and and I just I just always hated that when people when people say, oh well, Transformers is for kids, and I'm like, it's a story about two factions going at war with each other. <laughs> right. Come on, <laughs> like you're telling me no one has as. Has tried to, to flesh these characters out. <laughs> you know, they're not just like giant robots that that beat the crap out of each other for 22 minutes on a weekly basis. You know, there is more to this, and I'm kind of glad Hasbro finally realized. Oh, you know, maybe we should take a chance and, and aim in and aim for an older audience because Lord knows that demographic isn't being um, being uh, 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 being marketed to a lot in in the west when it comes to animation so why not right well there's been a big call i think lately there's been a much bigger push with the streaming services for more adult um animated content and again this this show can still be watched by kids obviously but um uh it it does obviously skew older and i think that it's really it's it's really good to see that the streaming services particularly are picking up that you know, there is uh, entire generations of, you know, 
millennials and Gen Zers and Gen Xers who grew up with cartoons and still love them, but want to see something that's a little a little more adult, a little darker. And I think that they've realized that there really is a market for that now. And it's refreshing to see like something aimed at an adult audience that isn't a comedy, because I think I'm I'm just really tired of 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 you know networks thinking that oh well adults only watch comedies and and every animated adult show has to be a comedy and I'm like no yeah no mean, not at all uh, animation is an art form it is a di- you know there's there's all different types of of you know entertainment uh, types of entertainment out there and people you know, we all like a wide variety of things. We all like different things. So, you know, you really can't put things in a box and, uh, the, you can do things in animation that you can't do in, in live action without maybe a very expensive CGI budget. And some things just play better in animation than, you know, if it was, if it was live action. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time as like, you know, you got to realize that, you know the kid. You know the kids of the '80s and '90s are like in their. Uh, everyone's like in their 30s and 40s now, so yep. you know they're. You know we kind of want content that's, you know, skewered to our age range demographic. Exactly. I mean that's that's me. I'm I'm right there. You know I'm a child of the '80s. So yeah, exactly. I mean I grew up with Beast Wars in the '90s and I love Beast Wars to death. But you know. That show, you know, I, I love it. It's great. I still rewatch it, but you know, you can't keep rewatching it forever. You kind of need to get to get out of that comfort zone at some point, you know. Right. Exactly. And and again, like, cause I mean, I've been a big fan of this franchise for years now, ever since you know the '90s. I mean, my you know my introduction to it was Beast Wars, and and that's my favorite series. And 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 um and you know growing up I found out about G one because I didn't grow up with it I mean I grew up with you know Beast Wars and and you know then I found out to be about G one you know and and you know, I slowly got into it and you know got sucked into this thing and I've seen seen uh, various iterations of of this uh, of of this franchise over the years you know some good some bad but. You know they they always like skewer to a to a younger audience, and and it kind of frustrated me because I'm like you know, I kind of want a little bit you know something aimed at you know older kids maybe or you know adults because you know your 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 core audience is like getting older Hasbro you can't like keep treating them like children. Right. Yep. And and it and they finally realized like this this you know past couple of year you know the past couple uh, you know twenty twenty eighteen and, and, and back in twenty twenty eighteen I think they finally realized like oh you know adults like collect you know collecting transformers what if we tried appealing to adults you know who collect these things and and actually you know give them a, a show that's more skewered to an older audience and I'm like okay cool you know and yes it is just basically you can argue okay it's just a retelling of G1 but you know they they've taken they've taken the 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 stuff people are familiar with with G1 and put their own spin on it and I and I like that and I like that they did that because if it were just G one retelling, I would have been like, okay, screw this, I'm not wasting my time if it's just, you know, another G one retelling. Right. 
And, and, and yeah, I mean, I'm kind of excited for the future. I mean, I look, man, at the end of the day, I just want Transformers to be good again. <laughs> Isn't that what we all want? Well, I think they, I think they nailed it. Yeah. So I'm hoping like, you know, the second and third part continue being as. Oh, it's. I mean, again, it's a trilogy. We, you know, it was all, it's all, it was all recorded around the same time. So it is absolutely, consider it, you know, again, consider these feature films. So the themes that you're seeing in season one are absolutely going to transfer and continue on through season three, because it is one big story arc. I mean, I, I hope so, because it's, just, you know, I'm kind of going to be disappointed with just like, you know, a trilogy in the sense of you know sequels and that you know no it's it's absolutely one one story it's absolutely one story it's always it was always meant to be a self-contained you know three-part story with a with a overarching arc and you know sub arcs with the different characters that's that's pretty good because you know you kind of need that right now because you can't just you can't just make make stuff up as you go along with this franchise. You just can't. Um, no, and I'm, I'm I'm just hyped to see to see where they go with it, and I'm hoping we get to see more of Alita because, you know, they they ended it on a cliffhanger, and we're kind of we don't know wh- what's going to happen with her and and the rest of the Autobots that are on Cybertron. So I hope we see we get to see more of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, no spoilers, so I, I can't, I can't give any insight there, but I can just say, uh, if, if you guys enjoyed season one, then you're going to enjoy seasons two and three just as much. And do they have like, do they know when they're going to be released or is that still? In- I, I wish I knew. I have no idea. Yeah. Cause you know, I can't imagine the animation for this, uh, this must've like taken a quite oh yeah time to, to do. yeah absolutely like i said we recorded season one probably close to two years ago now maybe one and a half um so yeah they are i mean polygon pictures just has such amazing artwork and they've been really making sure that they get the animation just right and i think that they've just an app they've done a brilliant beautiful job with the animation for this i i really like the backgrounds the, the backgrounds and the environments really look great because it looks like a war-torn planet, you know, and it, and it looks, you know, dark and, and seedy and and ravaged and kind of it's very anime-esque <laughs> in, in that in that way. Right. And and again, like what I like about Polygon Pictures, like you know, you look at all the Transformers stuff that they've done, none of them look the same despite the fact all of them being animated in 3D. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. So there's variety there. And and I'll give them, you know, I'll give the animators all the credit in the world for using the toy accurate designs and making them work in show. <laughs> right. Well, I think that the, the way that they design these characters and the toy lines that we've seen, um, I think they're, they've done a, a brilliant job of doing that. You know, because they all look like the toys, like, to the point where, you know, it's like they're using the toy designs. The only two exceptions are Alita 1 and, and Bumblebee, who did not have toys by, by you know, released. 
did with prior to this when the show was when the animation was right i mean they're 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 staggering the releases obviously so they had to like use you know the the comic book designs for these characters well just because just because the toys weren't released and announced to the public doesn't mean those toys were not already designed and created and available for the artists to see you know yeah and and, but, uh, and and it's kind of bummed me out because it's like, oh man, they'll be the ones in the Walmart exclusive. Oh man, damn it! <laughs> well, you can pre-order her now. Yeah. I've already pre-ordered like five. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, F- five. Why why would you need five? You know. Because I've given them to friends and family. I mean, it was always my goal. You know, when I got into voice acting, I always, you know, would jokingly tell people. You know, my, 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 I know that my career will be complete when I have an action figure of a character that I portrayed and now I finally do. So this is kind of a big milestone for me, I think, to finally have, you know, something tangible and physical that is representative of something that I, that I voice, that I had the privilege of being a part of and put so much of my, you know, my heart and soul and energy into. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, like I think one of the one of those things is like you know I, I've always said like you know you haven't really made it in this business until you've been immortalized in plastic. Exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> everyone just wants to, to to be an action figure, like you know, okay, yeah, cool, it's cool to play this character, but I really want an action figure of them. You know, I want something to, you know, you want a physical memory of of that of your time on the show, and you're like, yeah. You know, that's, now I have it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like here you go. <laughs> Want an Alita one signed by me? Okay, here you go. <laughs> right, exactly. Um. So, so what's next for you? You know, besides Transformers. I mean, I've got a lot of stuff in the works. Uh, you know, I work in a lot of video games, so got quite a few projects in development right now. Obviously, I can't talk about. So, uh, yeah, you know, you just just like all of us who who work in this crazy industry you just you keep you know once you've done one project it's time to move on to the next one and you know enjoy the successes while you have them and uh yeah just keep just keep training and working and and growing as a performer and growing as a person and uh you know just making sure you're constantly trying to stay positive and, you know, surrounding yourself with people who support you and, you know, supporting everybody else out there. And, um, that's kind of what I've, you know, what I, what I focus on and what I try to do. So, you know, each day is a new day with new opportunities and new experiences. And plus like, you know, you know, once you're done with a role, you kind of, you always think to yourself, okay, that role was great, but how can I top it next time? How yeah, exactly. And that's that's how we all naturally are as performers. Like there's, again, you are a different person every day you wake up. You're not the same person you were the day before. And so even if I, you know, am privileged enough to ever be able to play Alita one again, in you know, if there's ever future iterations of, of her, um, you know, I, I would probably bring a little something different to her because you know again i i am a person who's grown and changed and so yeah and plus like if they ask you to come back for a different incarnation it's going to be a different incarnation it's not yeah the one exactly the one we saw in the trilogy it's going to be something completely different but 
you know, it's going to be the same but different in, in a exactly. way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that's interesting because, you know, you know, most most actors when they come back for a role, they you know it's usually it's it's usually the same you know the same beats you know the same two or three beats over and over again in their head. But you know, coming back, you know, when it comes to voiceover, you're gonna voice the same character multiple times, but they're not gonna be the same character because most of the most of those characters are gonna be either aimed at an older audience or, an, or a younger audience and you, you know once you go into the booth and record for for said character you kind of need to remind yourself that okay I'm, I'm recording for for like kids so it's going to be you know the performance is going to be aimed at like a kid audience and or if I'm you know if you're walking in to um to record for an older audience you're you, you know your your, your stuff is gonna it's gonna skewer a little bit older and that's fine you know and 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 that's the beauty yeah. of voiceover is like you can play the same character over and over again but still make it fresh <laughs> yep exactly exactly but uh but yeah no well this has been this has been a pleasure it's been great being able to talk with you and yeah, thank, thank you so much for thanks. for asking me to be here thanks so much and hopefully like as, as the trilogy comes out we you know hopefully we'll get you back and again and talk more transformers thank you so much for doing this yeah i would that sounds great <laughs> yeah thank you again and and thanks to everybody who uh who's listening appreciate it uh, before we go, uh, can you tell people where to find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me at Lindsay Russo, L-I-N-S-A-Y-R-O-U-S-S-E-A-U on Twitter, Instagram, my Facebook page. Uh, you can also check me out. I stream uh, Dungeons & Dragons for the Fabled 42 Network on Twitch, so you can catch me um uh, right now, some of my shows are in hiatus, but uh, yeah, you can catch me streaming Adventures in Middle Earth uh, the third Sunday of the month. That'll switch to the first and third Sundays of the month in October, and I will be starting a brand new homebrew D&D game that'll be every week on Mondays starting in October as well. All right. Awesome. Thanks, thanks so much for, for doing this. It's a pleasure. Yeah, of course. Thanks again. All right. Bye. All right. Take it easy.